Hello, you're listening to Marianne Williamson's presidential call in line. Remember, as your president, I want to hear from each and every one of you so we can heal together as a nation. We have a caller on the line. He wants to go by JB. Hello, JB. You're speaking with America's spiritual advisor and president of the United States, Marianne Williamson. Uh, uh, hi, hi Marianne. Uh, I, I mean, Madam President. Marianne is just fine, JB. Whatever moves you. Oh, uh, thank you, Marianne. I'm calling because a few years ago, I, uh, I took a, a big project on, and everyone told me I'd do great at it, but really I didn't. Really made a mess of it. And lots of people made fun of me for it. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, they... <laughs> they made memes about me. They made ones that made me look like a communist. Ah, yes. Memes can cut deeply, JB. I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and, and my brother... He did so much better than me at it. And I once caught him huffing coke out of a stuffed alligator. You, you don't huff coke. Uh... Oh, I, I I don't know. I just know I would have made a better president than George. I, uh, uh, I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Jeb, I want you to think of the internet as a sailboat. A sailboat that contains in it the enchanted painting of Dorian Gray, a pumice stone, and a bell that smells very bad. And you can take that sailboat and reach any shore you can imagine. Where are you going to take these objects? To the shore of personal desire or the islands of psychic darkness that stand in defiance of the waves of our consciousness? Next caller. Marianne, this is Alex Jones. I am ready for you and your serpent masters to devour my brain. Suck it right out of my skull. Thank you, ma'am. Alex, thank you for that, but you know as well as I do that serpents are not and never have been my masters, and that the only reptile I am capable of speaking to is a bearded dragon that has followed me everywhere I go ever since I ate peyote with the Baldwin brothers in Las Cruces in 1993. I challenged Alec Baldwin to a bare-knuckle fist fight two years ago, and I'm still waiting to punch that soy boy. Rip his human mask off and reveal his true nature. Alex, what is your true nature? What would you say to a six-year-old Alex Jones? Well, I tell him to invest in gold and iodine tablets. Alex, you're hiding from yourself. You are so busy building bunkers, you don't see the one you're already in, Alex. The one that you've been carrying around all this time. How far do you think you can go, Alex, when you're carrying around something that's underground? What do you think that does to your soul? Well, I'm capable of carrying around a psychic bunker, Marianne, because I have the power of paracetam, seracetam, and colloidal silver coursing through my blood. My hot American blood. Protein. Thank you, Alex. My fellow Americans, I want to talk to each and every one of you listening tonight. I want to tell you that health is not the absence of sickness. Sickness is the absence of health. Debt is not the absence of money. Money is the absence of fiscal austerity inflicted on this country by banks that refuse to loan money to average working Americans. 
That is why I have nationalized Bank of America and have directed Secretary of the Treasury Susie Orman to issue zero-interest loans to anyone who wants to live in a yurt on federal lands. Up next, we have Ironweeds, followed by Energy Secretary Grimes' interview with the sentient Tesla. saying, hey, can you, you know, respect this decision? You know, this is, all this noise is making it a little bit hard for me to, you know, be in this space. And people were like, yes. Like, it really was not um, at all, you know, what the kind of conservative media portrayed it as. So People were getting into, like, fist fights over whether or not they could clap. And... Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds loud in and of itself, so that would be pretty self-defeating. We should say who you are. <laughs> on on a, a, a on microphone, uh, we're here with uh, Carolyn Nagy, the uh, organizing committee member of the Troy DSA branch, and we are obviously talking about DSA and the national convention that just happened in Atlanta, right? And uh, and whether or not clapping did or did not happen, <laughs> and how and how, and what was the body count in in that decision? Yeah, yeah, it's really disappointing so. that that is pretty much the beginning and end of what I know about. What happened at the DSA convention? But yeah, so you and a number of delegates uh, from the Capital District Democratic Socialists of America uh, chapter uh, went down to the um, w- w- the national conference, mm. uh, the DSA national conference in Atlanta this past the convention. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like, what was your general experience? So yeah, it was a it was a really fascinating. Fascinating and frustrating and, you know, just really intense um, sort of three days in Atlanta. The Capital District chapter um, was able to send seven delegates, and it's all just by, like, chapter size and how many members you have. So we had some elections. We had people from Albany, um, Saratoga, and Troy go down. And um, basically the, what the convention is, it's the one main Democratic body of what has now become like a really big national organization that's, you know, basically the biggest socialist group in the country. 60,000 people now, right? Is that the number? Yeah. And so wow. it's it's grown a ton um, in recent years. And this is the way that this organization, DSA, makes big decisions. Like, you know, what is it? What are our principles? What do we believe in? How are we going to, you know, what's the best strategy for enacting and bringing to life these principles? So, you know, we talked a lot about things like participation in Bernie Sanders' campaign, um, participation in supporting labor organizing and housing, um, international solidarity, the Green New Deal. Like those were all those were the substantive issues that we were there to discuss. There were also a lot of more, you know, kind of internal organizational structure questions like the relationship of the chapters with the national and how that should, what that should look like, how it should be structured. So that's what we were there to do. And there were a thousand of us there, which was really cool. 
yeah, having the thousand socialists from all over the country in one room, um, you know, we had these procedural sort of kind of like almost like parliamentary sessions where we were discussing and debating various motions and voting. Like we voted a lot. And that was like the those were the conversations where the um, points of privilege and points of information, you know, would kind of come up. We also had a number of sessions where, you know, we were just kind of talking about the work we're doing and sharing. Um, you know, my interest is housing. My, my main interest, I'm, I'm interested in lots of things. But um, it was really great to have a chance to talk to people who've been doing housing, um, justice, tenant organizing work, you know, around the country and hear about, you know, what different tactics people are using, what's been, what's worked, what hasn't. And especially um, to hear from people who've been doing work in places like the Capital District, which is not, you know, we don't have a lot of giant buildings. It's more rural, more, less dense. Yeah, that's actually something I, I, I think you would be really well positioned to um to talk about is, you know, you lived in New York City for a while, yeah. and now you've lived up here for a number of years. And uh, if you ask almost anyone who went to that conference, you know, like, they, they do characterize, like, a split between really big cities and much smaller ones. Did you see that? And, like, what? how would you characterize that, that difference? Yeah, so it wasn't, like, a total, you know, it wasn't a total split, because... Actually, there are a lot of people from New York City who um, really were on the more decentralized, you know, um, position. Basically, one of the really big debates, and I think this is kind of just a fundamental, foundational sort of debate among the left forever, which is what's the best way of, you know, achieving social change? And you always, you know, you're always going to have two sort of sides of a spectrum. One is like strong centralization invest in a central organization, like central organization, like that would be the national uh, DSA to set strategy and to, you know, kind of come up with like talking points, materials, this is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And then, you know, the, the local organizations sort of follow step. And that's one vision. Um, I think it was championed um, particularly by uh, Bread and Roses Caucus at the DSA convention, which is, you know, one group of people. And then the other position, you know, which is more towards decentralization, which is actually looking at, you know, what people are doing um, in their communities and saying, well, you know, maybe we have like a bunch of different approaches here. It's not all just like we're we're not all just going to go campaign for Bernie Sanders and for Medicare for all, but, you know, support whatever you're doing on the local level and kind of more thinking about building, you know, grassroots and a base and then, you know, having sort of stronger, you know, basically using more of the organization's resources to support the work being done at the local level. So if, the, so if like, you don't really give a shit about DSA at all, right? It, what, this sort of split, though, is still kind of interesting, sort of at an abstract level, because yeah. it's um, it's a question about, like, if you have 60,000 people all wanting to do something together, right. right? Is it something, do you build an organization that says, you know, make Bernie Sanders president, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, and then like everyone goes and does that, right? right? Or do you have like sixty thousand people all around all around the country doing different things, fixing uh, 
break lights so that people don't get pulled exactly. over by cops or you or or um uh tenants rights organizing stuff like that you shoveling do all these different walks <laughs> yeah shoveling sidewalks <laughs> we, we did that a little while ago snowshalism yeah uh um you do all these different kinds of things and then somehow you just figure a way to make that uh bigger than the sum of its parts right by coordinating in some way and and you know and that seems pretty fundamental to any young organization you know dsa is was sort of nascent for a long time or, or it didn't really dormant do a whole dormant, a dormant's a better word. Yeah. <laughs> Aging. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and then it, and now all of a sudden it, it feels very young and new. And it is right. it's super young. Like yeah. I'm in my mid to late thirties and I was definitely above the average age. Yeah. Wow. Like yeah, it so, was young. Yeah, yeah. I was very young. And yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's one of the questions and really to be honest, like, I think even, you know, that this was like a split or something is a bit overplayed. It's just sort of trying to figure out what the right balance is. Because no one wants, no one wants to join a chapter where you're like, well, you have no say in anything. And you're just going to be, well, uh, probably there's some people who'd like, <laughs> who'd be, be down with that. <laughs> Tell me what to do, daddy. Yeah. Let me lick it. <laughs> I just remembered like organized religion exists. Like that is the thing. Yeah. Right? right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, you know, and like also like there's having you know like there is a a need for some structure and helping you know coordinate and figuring out sort of how we can uplift you know sort of the the groups working you know at the base so i think you know really it's trying to figure out what the balance is um i wasn't affiliated with any caucus mostly because well for a few reasons like because i just and and caucus is like bread and roses or or build so these are just like people who these are, all come together around some sort of decision that, or like think right. opinion that they think the, the the organization should go down. Yeah, these are different groups, sort of that have organized, self organized within DSA to push for these different positions, and so the different caucuses had different priority resolutions and you know issues like to issues that they wanted to use this convention to to bring about. I mean, I wasn't affiliate. I'm not affiliated with a caucus mostly because like. I'm just not willing to give that amount of my life to DSA and internal politics. So I didn't figure it out or really, you know, do much about it before showing up. Yeah. I will say, uh, I think probably um, my position is more on the decentralized side. And so I voted um, a lot more for the priorities that were similar more to like the build caucus, which is, you know, supporting local chapters doing their thing. But is there, but- there's something called a uh, pass the hat. Right. Yeah. That, 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 that's one that I kept hearing about. What is that's just straight money. Right. right it's just like right. where, where so the money gets spent. This was you know, this was a big issue. Um, how we can get more financial support for small chapters like and this was something, you know, the Capital District uh, chapter voted that they were in favor of. So I definitely going regardless of, you know, what I would have thought, like I wanted to be there and vote, make sure to vote for this and to support it. And yeah, the idea was that, you know, we we would be getting more support, um, uh, financial support for smaller chapters um, to do things like, you know, rent some rent some space, make copies, just, you know, like the the real nuts and bolts of like the kind of infrastructure that you need to sort of keep things going. You know, you can't um, you can't operate on a shoestring uh, forever. So that was, um, you know, the idea with Pass a Hat was that you'd have a lot more, um, you know, financial support like and also not a huge amount something like a hundred bucks for you know chapters which is not like a ton of money um and so that was supported mostly by um small people from smaller areas that are just getting started 
there's a lot of really small chapters out there. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's really different than in large cities where you have a lot of different, you know, groups that are organizing like opportunities for coalition, just like a lot more happening in smaller areas. Like, and I would say in Troy, you know, we're kind of the only game in town. So, um, you know, you attract a lot of attention and um, get a lot of, but you're also kind of on your own in a way. And so you have to do a lot to build, you know, your, your group yourself. So pass a hat, um, pretty narrowly did not pass. In fact, um, I think the vote was something like, you know, 500, 400 don't, it's not, not exact, but so it was, it, it, it failed, but by a pretty small, you know, it wasn't like a, the, um, you know, the convention was like overwhelmingly opposed to funding small chapters. You know, it was kind of not 50, 50 more, like maybe 60, 40 split. So I think, you know, that's something that is going to, I think, continue to be a dynamic and whether, you know, that grows over the next two years until the next convention where you have like the issue of small chapters feeling like they need more support from, uh, from national or if people are kind of getting more in line with actually, you know, let's build this from a centralized perspective. You know, we'll see. I don't know. I, I wonder if, so like to me from an outsider, it seems to me the biggest difference between like DSA and a place like New York and DSA and a place like Troy is that Troy just needs so many things already that New York like doesn't need. Yeah. Like we have to, people need their walk shoveled. They, you know, we need like basic trash collection in a lot of neighborhoods in Troy. Um, but so, so to me, it seems like those, uh, in those different like regions or different geographical areas, DSA is called upon to do very different things. Yeah. Like you can't, it would not, you, DSA would not be particularly useful to Troy, New York by going around and campaigning for Bernie Sanders 24 mm. seven. Um, so I wonder if what, how can a, I realize some of that will have to do with funding structure, but also what like legislatively can DSA do to make both types of chapters useful, you know, because it seems like two very different kind of calls to action. Well, I'm not really sure that the DSA is going is going to do that so much. I think it's more um, thinking about how groups um, from smaller cities, uh, rural and suburban areas can work together to figure out, you know, some of our own strategies and how that's all going, like how it's all going to play out. So I think, you know, one of the things that's really different um, with between like smaller places and larger places kind of was highlighted when we were talking, when we were debating um, whether or not to officially, you know, support anti-fascist work and organizing as part of, you know, a national priority. And, um, you know, people's experiences are really different. Like here in Troy, People get doxxed. Um, you know, there's some right-wing nut jobs who publicize, like, when our meetings are happening. Where you uh, live. Yeah, where you yeah. live. You know, people, members have been targeted on the street for doing things like supporting, you know, Troy Sanctuary City. So, you know, um, and also our county executive is, like, basically rage-tweeting. Sex pest Steve McLaughlin. Sex pest, yeah, Steve McLaughlin was banned from having interns um, at the assembly because of... Um, being a sex pest. Being a sex pest, yes. I don't, you know, sex pest is a technical term, but um, yeah. <laughs> he was harassing them. In, yeah, like, ask, he was, yeah, he was a serial harasser. He was yeah. for sexual harassment sexual of, harassment. Um, you know, of his um, staff. Jeez. So anyways, like he is, he's aware of us and rage tweeting about us. He was rage tweeting about, enraged about the fact that people from this region were down at this national convention, like, I was kind of, you know, so I mean, it's like, it's a level of scrutiny 
that is much more intense. Like we were telling people in New York City about this, and they are shocked because in New York City, you know, there's a lot of other people in town who are doing AOC. this work. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, you know, you don't get that level of like you know targeting that you get in smaller smaller places. So a lot of the debate about whether or not like we should um, affirm our commitment to anti-fascist organizing was sort of kind of fell along that split of like, well, if we do this, then that's really going to paint a target on our back because, you know, all of a sudden, like the right right wingers are going to like see all of us, you know, as like personal, like card carrying members of the black bloc or something yeah, you know, yeah, running around smashing soldiers. up stuff. Right. Which is like not like that is not the entirety of what anti-fascist um, work and organizing <laughs> is. I mean, Talking about how fascism is bad is anti-fascist, you know, work. Yeah, was this, um, you know, because it was a proposal that was voted yeah. on. Was yes. there a uh, functional definition for what anti-fascist, um, like, meant in the context of, like, what the DSA was going to be organizing around? I mean, uh, not exactly. We, you know, we talked about it a lot. Maybe it was in there. I didn't, you know, there was, didn't read it, every word of every um, proposal. But, I mean, I oh, think it's... Oh, already like... falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I think, you know, that was the debate was, like, if we say we're doing this, that puts a big target on our back. You know, there's a lot of, like, people, like, in the right is trying to, like, make it illegal to be, like, anti-fascist and stuff. <laughs> and so, I mean, and I, this is where, for me, Normal. I'm like. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Definitely and like, not a fascist move to like, try to make it illegal to be anti-fascist. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what's really chilling when you hear people in the Trump administration and conservatives talk about making Antifa a terrorist, like a terrorist group, because that means that any organizing that can be called anti-fascist, which is all the good ones, uh, can be, you know, outlawed. So, and I I think that was a concern for some people is like, this is really, you know, like, and it, and it it did pass, but it was quite narrow. Like this is going to make us unsafe. And I'm like, well, look, dude, some of us are already unsafe for doing this work. You know, some of us already have that target painted on our back and it doesn't really... (laughs) Like the you know dudes who are like screaming at us out of their pickup trucks, yeah, um, are not actually like checking to see you know what resolutions were supported on at the convention and whether or not we have like a working group, like on this. It's just like that's just not. You, you, can't, you can't scream that out of the truck. They're like, I disagree with your <laughs> forming your five to three uh, vote to create a, a committee right. to investigate whether or, or not. Or if you roll down your window yeah. and they roll coal on you, you're really going to be yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it was just, um, like, and I think that was maybe where that split sort of, or that, that difference was felt. Sure. Um, although there were people from big cities who supported it and people from small areas who didn't because, you know, no one's monolith. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Speaking of, the, of this difference, uh, uh, what's the state of us going to a possible uh, demolition derby as a DSA chapter? Have we have we made any more choices on that decision? It's definitely happening. Yeah, okay. We are definitely going to <laughs> go as leftists to the demolition derby. Um, you know, I'm from, I'm actually from Appalachia. Um, yeah, the demolition derby is, was one of the biggest, you know, biggest nights of the year in my um, hometown where I'm from. And, uh, I think, um, if you're for, you know, members of the capital district, um, that haven't, um, had the chance to go see a bunch of cars smash each other until the last one that's still moving, um, wins, you know, I mean, I think that's something that we're all missing out on. And yeah. so, yeah. It's Prax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm organi- yeah, we're trying to figure I'm going to organize like a group trip to the Demolition Derby. 
Hell yeah. And we can all get together and watch some cars smash each other. It's yeah. great. Yeah. It's going to be real fun. I, I've been to many, uh, and I have a lot of questions about the Demolition Derby. I don't know if you sure. are, can, are, can, can be, they can be fielded to Let you. Let me, I can give it a try. <laughs> uh, so are they standard, like, clunkers? Like, what, how do cars make it into the Demolition Derby pipeline? Like... Okay, so you're assuming that is a pipeline, first of yeah. all. That's your first like this is <laughs> <laughs> This is like hobbyists. You get a car that you get a car that's a piece of shit that's um not like drivable and you strip pretty much everything from it except like the the parts that are necessary to make it go and stop. I I don't even know really how important brakes are. Um, you know, and that's like for like, you know, fire, you take most of the empty, most of the gas out cause you want to um, avoid the chance of fire. Although fires always do happen, which is why you always have uh, the fire department right there to put them out when they happen. <laughs> um, and yeah, so- like, like this is, this is the equivalent of like having doctors ringside in, at like some blood sport and they're like. All right. And I love that this is usually happens at places that have volunteer fire departments. So you know that there's at least one person at the, at the volunteer fire department that volunteers at the fire department strictly so that they can get free. Oh, yeah. They can go for free oh, to yeah. all the demolition yeah. derby games. Please, uh, l- l- listeners, get yeah, yeah, don't get uh, confused. Uh, we're definitely pro fire people saving uh, these guys yeah. that like have their cars being put on fire. Yeah. Thank you for your service. Yeah, my, so, my, my hot yeah. take is to stop using the term first responder because it lumps firefighters in with cops. Hmm. <laughs> You know they, they they literally go as a unit. Like you know, yeah. in Troy, like if you ever call a fire department, or sorry, if you ever call either for an ambulance or the fire department, the police will definitely show up. And I think if you ever call for the police, sometimes the fire department and the ambulance oh, yeah. will show up. Yeah, like, they just they just send whoever. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. like the whole the whole group. Um, but yeah, there there's a guy that uh, had at work a, uh, a muscle tightness due to um, uh, not having enough potassium in his diet, but he thought he was having a heart attack. And so, like, we dealt with it like it was, like, a heart attack. And um, they, everybody had to come. But it was, like, just crowding the uh, parking lot. To ar- arrest the heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so you you're saying there's no pipeline, right? It's, it's <laughs> no, all no, hobbyists no, it's, this is that jump in. And... With some junk cars. Yeah. So, like, there's two important things to get a car ready for Demolition Derby. First is taking out any as much stuff that can, like, catch fire and, you know, is not essential to moving the car. And then... The second, and this is probably most important, is to bling the shit out of the car. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you got to paint it, maybe put some, like, cool fins. Like, you just want to make it look as cool as possible. And then um, the way the Demolition Derby works is, like, you get everyone in the arena, and basically they just run into each other until um, all the cars are disabled. And the winner is the car that's the one that's still moving at the very end of the Demolition Derby. Nice. There can be only one. <laughs> I really want to go. It sounds very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that, it, it matches up nicely with our, our trip to uh, the minor league baseball game that we went on uh, earlier in the summer. It's just, you know, like good hometown fun. Yeah. You know, it's just like extremely wholesome. Yeah. You just got to be a wholesome and socialist in public. We, we were talking about yesterday at uh, the Justice for Demeek event that one of the shirts that, we, you know, Dan Lyles came up with the, the phrase weekends are for socialism. He said that at a meeting. We we're like, we should put that on a shirt. And, but we were talking about yesterday how that shirt should just be a sleeveless crop top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. Like, like all of you. Uh, all right. So um, I think that I, does anyone else have any more DSA questions? Or, no, that was really or, interesting. Or demolition yeah. derby <laughs> questions. <laughs> 
Huge thanks to Caroline for coming on the show and talking with us about the DSA convention in Atlanta. You can find her on Twitter at Caroline Nudge, C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E-N-U-D-G-E. So thanks to Caroline, and now on with the show. I almost ran into you. Yeah, you did. Oh, right, because I think... You were going to tell me that Emma had a cough. Yeah, I was going to tell you that Emma had a a cough, and I was really concerned about it. Um, Like a dry cough? She had sneezed the night before. She does like the... You know when when cats sneeze and it's like a wheezing, like... um, And then first thing in the morning, her meow was all different. And that really freaked me out because I have that yeah. cat. I've had her for like seven, almost seven yeah. years. Laryngitis. And her meow is always exactly the same. It's not, I don't think it's laryngitis. I think no? it's literally just a cold. Um, it's been going around her the meow, cats. The cats, well, the cats have been sharing a cold. Well, so laryngitis is a, uh, is a, uh, a symptom. So it's like a laryngitis is an it went away immediately, of though. the larynx. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 But like her, she gave me like three weird meows and then after that was totally normal again. Oh, maybe she had like a hair or something. I don't know, man. But anyway, so I, I'm a helicopter cat mom, so I'm very concerned about this. And I hear David is just coming downstairs waking up and I stand up, I go to meet him in the kitchen to tell him that I think Emma has a cough. And and I have my face like deep in my phone already. He's staring at his phone. He almost bowls me over and he says, Jeffrey Epstein's dead. And I remember my first thought was... Well, that makes my news really like less important right now. But okay, fine. Epstein's dead. I, I, I believe I delivered it like cat having a cough. For the record, yeah. I know, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. so I believe... I'm pretty pissed off at him for stealing Emma's thunder. <laughs> but I believe I believe I delivered it as Jeffrey Epstein's dead. Yes, that is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, this is um, this is a crazy, crazy development in an already outrageous story. But it's both. I think you were talking about this off uh, mic uh, earlier today. Yeah, yeah, we need a new word for things that are uh, shocking but not surprising, because we just now live in a world where you have to use. If we had that word, I would probably use it at least once a day. Like nothing is ever, um, it's like Pikachu face. Like, it's like offending it to the sensibilities, but it's all the predicted, you know, or, or almost like outraged that this should be surprising, but it's not. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, can we come up with a word for this? I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like a, like a German word is supposed to go here, but yeah, the, the German word yeah. is a, a Pikachu face. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Pikachu face. Yeah. Pikachu fish. Pikachu fish. Yeah. It's, it's really, so this is, I think something that's deeply chilling about Epstein um, other than everything that's obvious, but uh, we're learning once again in a new, newly dark way that, um, there is no accountability for the powerful and there's nothing that any of us can do about it short of like violent revolution because it, it like I, a lot of people are saying that this was probably a message to um, other potential like whistleblowers on this, which I agree with. But I also here's the conspiratorial part of me wonders if this is not just a message from like, quote, the powers that be and quote that like we are all powerless to do fucking anything about this. It's almost like the elites uh, shoving it in our faces that they can get away with whatever the fuck they want. What what terrifies me is like, what if he wasn't murdered and he did actually commit suicide? And like, that's where the power is like embedded is that like he like self-immolates like he just he he self-destructs because he went against like an extremely powerful system. 
And it's like, and that's how that system maintains there itself. There hasn't been a successful suicide at MCC in like 22 years. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think he was probably murdered. But um, but I think actually suicide might actually even be more I'm disturbing hol- to I'm me. holding out for the possibility that he's still alive. Okay. Because that is like, the there, third way. There's some, th- I can't think of a way that this could have gone down any different than this in some way. Like this mm-hmm. is by far like the simplest way to like sort of wrap up and pretend that like the crimes, uh, you know, perpetrated by Jeffrey Epstein end with his personal accountability and look, you know, now he's dead and like that's the end of the chapter and everything else. Because there was uh, on Friday a uh, release of documents that implicated uh, publicly for the first time on the record um, the accusations of one of Epstein's victims uh, to um, the Prince Andrew and uh, a number of other like people. I think like the governor of uh new mexico yeah uh, bill richardson yeah former yeah. governor bill former Richard. governor yeah, yeah. And he ran for president in 04 yeah he was actually probably one of the f- like second to the left from dennis kersinich interesting yeah he he wasn't bad um but Politically. yeah so he was bad in literally every other way possible but yeah and now you know like apparently directly uh implicated and accused yeah. of uh child rape and, yeah. and so, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and so like, that was some freaky shit though. Didn't he, uh, have, he had like a puppet of himself. Do, do you guys read any of this? What? Okay. We're going to have Bill to Richard- put in. No, 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 no. Wait, so wait. I can, <laughs> Bill uh, Richardson has a puppet of himself? It, no, it was Prince Andrew used oh. a puppet of himself when he was, uh, molesting this girl, I think. Whoa. Like look. molested her with the puppet? Yeah. Whoa. That's fucking crazy. Um, I wonder if that's like a, a like a an old English law. <laughs> it doesn't count if it's a puppet. <laughs> uh, Holy shit! Yeah. Anyway. Um, <sighs> so yeah. Uh, good luck uh, to the investigators and anybody who's actually trying to bring these terrible men to justice. Um, you have the support of the Ironweeds uh, community. <laughs> I think it, it's, it, I, like uh, what. I, yeah, I guess that's the only pro cop stance yeah. I can really take. It's just in, in this if one, a cop finds one time, if anybody can prosecute these fucking pedos, then then I'll have to reevaluate my uh, my feelings about cops. Yeah, let us catch you Who, doing right. How the fuck? There's really nothing new to say about it. Even all I can think is just how the fuck was this allowed to happen, and what the fuck can be done about it? And the answers are depressing deeply unsatisfying and you know and you, you know that this this does feel like uh uh what, what are we calling it? pikachu face <laughs> pikachu fascia Pik- pikachu, pikachu fascia uh uh the german our new german word uh you know you know it feels that way when like this just feels like the season finale of an h of an hbo show yeah this feels like premium television yeah I, I, it's I, getting really weird. I mean, I felt like we're, you know, we would talk about this sometimes about the fact that we might be living a simulation and you get the, these like, it's like, ooh, it's a hot day out. That CPU's overclock and just, we're running out of RAM in this uh, simulation. I think the theory goes that the Large Hedron Collider actually did end our world in 2012. Our and, timeline? Yeah, our time, like the normal timeline. I saw another thing that was like, this was kind of trippy. Um, if you assume that civilizations are constantly destroying themselves in really like basic, easily predictable ways, then you have to also understand that there will be universe timelines that will continue to get stranger and stranger and stranger until they also 
Um, so like every time something happens, it splits off a new timeline. We just got the really weird one. Yeah. I don't know. It's well, I mean, when Trump was posing with Melania holding the orphan of um, two of the El Paso victims, yeah. and he's like sitting there with a shit eating grin with his giving the thumbs up, like, like he just cut the ribbon to a new casino or something. Yeah, yeah. he was saying on it, like to press how everywhere he went, everybody loved him so much. They loved him in El Paso, they loved him in Dayton. Like, this is. He has support, oh, well, but like, yeah, but that's not what you fucking say yeah, yeah. when you it's a like the trip isn't to, about yeah. how much everybody loves you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's pretty insane. And yeah, that's the problem, and all dude. The, all that's the why other, you're uh, in El Paso because yeah. they love you. And all of the victims, uh, all of the victims, uh, uh, refused to meet with him. Well, not that baby. <laughs> well, apparently the baby's family is like pro-Trump. That's like the the, the craziest thing. It's like, oh to, my god, yeah. So apparently, like, they willingly let the baby be used in the uh, photo op. But it's so crazy. I can't even imagine that. Can you imagine sitting next to your wife holding the now orphaned child of victims of a shooter uh, who was, like, a huge fan of yours and literally quoting your rhetoric in his manifesto that went for the reason he drove 10 hours to go murder over like two dozen people or like, you know, try to like murder as many people as he could. That is so insane to sit there and be like, Hey, yeah, like, it's really, it's, it's, it's fuck. It's bizarre more than anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. It's insensitive. Yes. It's like tasteless, but to me, it's just so totally bizarre. Like it does not, he is he's like a robot like he is like an ai just moving through the world i mean he really is like his his behavior is just increasingly bizarre same with joe biden like i've been watching joe biden do these things that i'm like do you have like is there like a six-year-old in your brain just pushing the buttons and that's why you keep fucking these things up oh about talking about how um calling Theresa may margaret thatcher twice now uh saying that poor kids are just as good or smart as white kids (laughs) Yeah. What did he Whoa. just say today? He said he was vice president during the um, Parkland shooting. The Parkland shooting. I think that like the whole thing about Biden's um, thing is that he's you know there to represent. I think like what I hope to be like a dying wing of the Democratic Party because if you look at the combination of the support for Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, it's more than Biden has in many polls. Yeah. And and even though all of the rest of the candidates besides I guess like. But besides Marion Williamson, Andrew Yang, and Tulsi Gabbard, pretty much all the rest of the Democratic hopefuls have essentially the same like platform in terms of policy initiatives. They're all fairly interchangeable. Yeah. Kamala Harris is going to be really upset to you say that because she's she's been going after Biden. Yeah. And that did not help her in the polls either. Not her, even I think a her polls bit. went down after the second debate. Yeah. I thought. I, to, I liked her the most I've liked her in this race. And like, it's, I just think they're all idiots for constantly mentioning Biden because every time you say his name, he gets more, he gets another, what, 15 seconds, 30 seconds. Just shut the, every time one of them said, and you know, vice former vice president Joe Biden, I was just like, shut the fuck up. I don't want to have to hear him talk anymore. I don't want to have to hear him talk anymore. There's got to be at least like one consultant that's making the rounds on on all these third tier candidates saying like say joe biden's name and then you get to be the front or end of some sort of clip about joe biden and then that's how you get more airtime generally after the debate uh and then that person that consultant is getting money from the third tier candidates and joe biden 
right? That has to be like, yeah. like I, why else? Do, the, yeah, because that doesn't matter. It's so clearly obvious that like when you're on a stage with nine other people, there's ten people on that stage. Like you should never say anyone else's name because then they instantly get more time. And if and if you're it's on one the thing bubble, to say like, their name. It. It's one thing to like go like you know throw a punch at somebody once or twice, but fucking Kamala Harris every time she opened her mouth she said something again about Joe Biden every goddamn time she opened her mouth and well they realize yeah. that they're they're like competing for the same lane right and so she thinks that he, she needs to like take him out in order to supersede him but that's a misunderstanding of attention right and of and of media how media works right yeah, yeah. because that now you're 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 the frame of Kamala Harris is anti Joe Biden which then brings up joe biden again and then it's just like and if he's in the front then you're just like letting him keep staying in the front is it's all just name recognition at this point the iowa caucus is going to be wild i i can't wait for the iowa caucus just because like when is that still a long time like three years away i don't know it's (laughs) what is even the process for when you have a field of over 20 candidates for like to force people to drop you got you gotta like make the barn a little bit bigger for all these different groups to caucus in i don't know i was gonna be weird do you guys use instagram at all yeah i'm getting like more ads from Tom Steyer than I've ever seen from any other advertiser in Who Instagram. Is Tom Who the fuck is Tom Steyer? Tom Steyer is a late addition to the 2020 Democratic God debate. Damn who is a, uh, a Democrat, and he's outspending, I think, the entire rest of the field in buying like advertisements. So he has all these things. He's like, listen. I know. The question is like, why should I give a billionaire money? <laughs> but hear me out. <laughs> he's like, I want to impeach Donald Trump. I want to, you know, uh, and so he's just like one more uh, billionaire candidate, but he needs 130 individual donations or whatever to qualify for the next debate. He's not going to qualify because he's like pulling at zero and like, but he's he's just going out and spending an insane amount of money on these ads. Oh right, he is a, like a Democrat mega donor. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that just was like, just like oh, I'm going to cut out the middleman and just run myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is like I guess he probably like rewatched one of the first Republican primary debates and he's like, yeah, I could do that. Where like Donald Trump is saying like I'm not going to give ever I've given everyone else on this stage money it's like now I'm just going to run for myself. Or oh something. shit! A Democratic so probably, version of that would yeah would pretty he, much own though for for at least uh, yeah. But Donald three Trump minutes. was in the news regularly for right. decades. Like yeah. he had yeah. so much name recognition, you know? which is the actual reason. Which is yeah. the actual reason. Yeah. yeah. And also owning people in debates doesn't necessarily win you support. No, it doesn't. like yeah. So Tulsi Gabbard owned Kamala Harris, and it it was you know painfully obvious to everybody watching but like i don't think it really won her any more support you know i think it probably like hurt um uh kamala's support at least you know it did uh, it seems like it did based on the polls yeah but i mean polls like i i'm such an idiot i like in one like in one side of my mouth say polls don't matter and you can't you can't know who people like and then i like spend twice a day looking at like the most recent polls of the democratic because i'm just basically horrified that you can find even 200 people who say that they prefer Joe Biden over the rest of the, over the rest of the field. Like, it's just horrifying to me that he has, he's heading 30, 35% in these polls. 
Yeah, I I wonder how much of that is just straight nostalgia for um, you know the Obama normalcy era. and Obama. Absolutely. Yeah, it, uh, uh, yeah, that's got to be most of it. The and 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 then just name recognition, and 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 like people who just go by name recognition also are the people that say like Bernie Sanders is too divisive or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yo, his Joe Rogan video is killing it though. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty it's good. Up, like up to like eight million it's, views. Yeah, or I'm yeah. also it was a weird energy between the two of them. Um, like I actually, you know, as listeners to this pod know, Joe Rogan's one of my problematic faves, and I am a big fan of his podcast uh, for the reason that he will ramble on and like sit there and smoke a joint and like talk with people unedited for two, three, four hours. And you know, Bernie Sanders went on there, and I think he was for you know, a big section of the electorate, the first time that they had really had any significant coverage of Bernie's, you know, campaign and his issues and what he wants to do as president and how he thinks he can go about doing it. It was the Killer Mike interview. It was yeah, like if you yeah. give somebody a, an hour to sit down and have an interesting yeah. conversation with somebody, then you get you actually get to understand what they stand for. It's yeah, a really and, strange concept. And that was where, where I guess I was going with it, is that, like, it was to an hour and then joe at the end was like well i don't want to hold up your time you know you're a really busy guy i've given you your hour and then like i couldn't tell if bernie was um trying to keep his distance or if it was joe rogan trying to keep his distance or whatever because mm-hmm. i could totally have seen it go on for two or three hours and bernie just like really make his case for like all of these things and um i don't know it's probably Ber- bernie's probably pretty busy like he's probably he's probably busy. got a fairly full schedule yeah um, they, can't, they can't probably can't spend more than an hour on an interview and also you don't want to get yourself into trouble like i think after that first hour is probably when you know you start to get a little loose after you're talking for that long yeah kind of it's you know i mean elon musk got in a lot of trouble for his joe rogan interview he like smoked weed and he like whipped out a katana and was swinging it around and stuff yeah and like people like the the handlers for his like multi-billion dollar corporations or whatever were like you can't just do this like you have to like present you know this like image of like professional like upstandability that like you know on the on a weekday doesn't just drink whiskey and, and smoke weed with S- Joe Rogan. Yeah, something done spoke to the indexes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about something uh, that's happening in upstate New York, but it, it has connections to all of, all of New York, um, and it's indicative of sort of the the world that we live in. Is that uh this uh local developer he's the the ceo of a ceo or president maybe both of a columbia development and uh columbia development owns a couple properties in troy and really all across the state they do sort of uh commercial mostly commercial uh real estate and maybe some mixed use stuff and this uh this guy uh joseph nicola was uh first wrapped up in something in a scandal with a the CEO and president of SUNY Polytechnic, right? There was a scandal called uh, Buffalo Billions, uh, oh, where yeah, I heard of this, yeah. yeah, where essentially they were doing no bid rigging or uh, bid rigging for all these different development properties here in Albany. They were supposed to build a dorm, and Columbia Development was the only bidder, just which is impossible, right? Unless something happens, because you you always get some. Sort. How would that happen? Like, right. how does that? I mean, the only so the the process of bidding is that you know, like something like SUNY Polytechnic says, we want to build a dorm. We have this 
spec sheet that says what we you know like what we want built. Yeah, request for quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, it's an RFP, you know, request for proposals and then all these different developers say like we can kind of build what you're asking for for this much. There's always a negotiation of like what actually gets built and how much it costs. And uh you usually get I I mean there's no usual like, really, but you know, you could get like 3 fourths on usual to get four or five uh quotes, but SUNY Albany and, po- and SUNY Polytechnic, I think at the time they were the same university. They've since split into independent ones. Only had this one bid from Columbia Development. And so um, Schneiderman, when he was still attorney general, uh, sued the, the SUNY president, whose name is Elaine uh, uh, Calieros, uh, accused uh, them of bid rigging. And as, as co-defendants, all of these developers, Nicola being one of them. And Nicola uh, flipped. He, he, so he got his charges dismissed uh, because he agreed to basically work with the, with the, with the state. So he's a rat. You know, like, if, if you're going to be, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going <laughs> to steal from the public, if you're going to steal from the people, fucking go for it. You can't, you can't then also be a rat. You know, do one, pick one, man. <laughs> fucking pick one. And this guy looks like, uh, like a, like a Jamie Dimon ripoff, like a, dime store dollar store jamie diamond like just like the the rimless glasses uh pointy face gray like short gray hair dude i fucking hate his fucking face anyway so so uh, calieros got three and a half years prison time actually actual prison time for this scandal um which also include that's why it's called buffalo billions because it's also developments in syracuse and buffalo oh. and syracuse billions doesn't sound cool so buffalo yeah, billions yeah, yeah. is going these billion dollar deals um and and another fun th- fun fact about maybe why uh nicola got was able to cut a deal was because columbia Del- development gave $145,000 to cuomo's election campaign oh. that's a lot right that's a lot so this, uh, so all of that happened a little over a year ago, and since then, you know, Columbia Development, his company has been doing normal business mostly, and he's been out of the spotlight, you know, like staying, understandably, staying out of the picture. And then this is his his comeback. His comeback project is uh, this brownstone in downtown Troy mm-hmm. that our friend Matt actually lives in. He's a yeah. tenant, and he's he's uh, quoted in the in the story. That we'll put in the show notes about about uh, Nicola's comeback project. So um, Nicola wants the Rensselaer County Industrial Development As- uh, Association. That's you know just like it's, it's one of these thousands of little known organizations and state agencies that do a lot to change people's lives. Like and no one's ever heard of them, and they're not, and they're usually appointed by uh, elected officials, so they're not even directly elected sorts of organizations so the rensselaer county ida is being asked for a grand total of two hundred twenty thousand five hundred and eighty eight dollars in tax giveaways uh in the form of basically asking for uh their property taxes to stay at five thousand dollars a year for 20 years on top of a lot of like closing costs and other things that, and they don't want to pay sales tax too. Right? Yeah, so yeah. Is just... This is another pilot, another payment in lieu. Yeah, of taxes, ba- yeah. A negotiation, right? And so he wants to get this building to do the following. All right, this is 
like it just it just seems like a scam it just really does seem like it allegedly seems like a scam uh uh here's what he wants to do so he nicola is working with this guy named dan pickett Mm -hmm. dan pickett runs a private equity firm called hudson river capital hudson river capital is heavily invested in a company called apti health which just sounds like you know a scam in and of itself apti health apti health multi-pass multi-pass yeah uh, apti health is a web platform that lets your primary care physician interact with uh behavioral health specialists interesting okay that that is what apti health is supposed to provide portal yeah it's it's some sort of web platform portal system okay uh, or at least that's what they say it is. It's pr- it'll probably steal your data and put you on some sort of list <laughs> so you can't buy guns or something. Oh. But um, so uh, Dan Pickett runs Hudson River Capital or, or has a majority stake in Hudson River Capital. And Hudson River Capital owns this company called Apti Health. Apti Health wants to expand into this building that he wants all the tax breaks on. And the building is owned uh, the building is at 48 4th Street, and it is owned by 48 4th Street uh, LLC, Limited Liability Company. Uh, and 48th 4th Street LLC is owned by Hudson River Capital. Oh, my God. And Nicola. Like, so he wants to sell the building to himself and not pay any taxes on it. Oh, no, no, for... the, no. The, the 40, uh, 48 4th Street wants to buy owns... the building. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Uh, and Nicola, along with Dan Pickett's uh, private investment fund, own this LLC called 48 4th Street, which is named for the building itself, right? So you know right. that this is that is the definition of a shell company, right? That's You make a company just to do this one very specific thing, mm-hmm. which is buy and run this building. And for that, he wants to get uh, a grand total of... Two hundred twenty thousand five hundred eighty-eight dollars, and our friend Matt Sekelik uh, lives in that building right now as a tenant, and is quoted in the Times Union story uh, about this, saying that you know, like the, the deal was already going through, um, and then they decided to get this pilot agreement. So it's basically like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna buy this building. And we're like, oh, actually, we could probably. The city of Troy has given pilot agreements to all these other developers. We should probably just apply for one. So they like are in, in the process of closing when they decide to do a, a pilot build. And so he's and so Matt, Matt's like, I live in this building. They're kicking me out. They're gonna. They were already planning on kicking me out before this was ever announced mm-hmm. for, because of this sale. So if you do this, you're just giving them close to a quarter million dollars to do what they to were do what do they anyway. were going to do anyway. So so don't don't do that. <laughs> right? so like the quarter million dollars is that in savings of taxes over yeah. the next uh, tw- however many years? Yeah, it's, well, it, and it's got to be even more than that because taxes they're 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 staying fixed at a five thousand dollar a year tax rate. Right, their taxes would undoubtedly go up quite a bit over the next twenty years. Yeah. so they're not just getting the tax break today; they're getting hu- bigger and bigger tax breaks over time. So and it's got to be even more than a quarter million, right? Like yeah. all of that, and, and that's a big building in the in the center of downtown yeah. that is that's been lived in continuously so it's not a fixer-upper or anything that building would not sit empty there's no yeah. reason to give anybody a tax break for buying that building because anything that went in there would be lucky to be in that spot yeah so and five thousand dollars around here in property taxes is not a lot no 
Yeah. Half those buildings downtown, they can have up to 20000 in property taxes. Yeah. A lot of those buildings down there do. Hmm. So this is all based on uh, the proposal. Like there hasn't been any it's action a- on the city council or anywhere else that has allowed for this giveaway to this developer, right? Well, so the, this happens at the county level. So this is, which is uh, run by Republicans. Okay. Uh, uh, because the, the application for uh, all of those... Um, tax breaks is at the Rensselaer County Industrial Development Association, which is not a elected body. They're, they're appointed. I'm not, they appointed I'm, not, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. It might be the county legislature or it might be above that. Huh. It might be the, or the county executive or something like that. It's, it's got to be some state body, maybe connected with like a city person that has like a so basically somebody who nobody voted for who was elected by representatives that we didn't get a chance to vote for gets to decide whether or not a business is going to pay a quarter million dollars in taxes to troy someone that would most certainly have gotten jail time for bid rigging had they not uh, flipped and become a rat for another oligarch's uh um, bid rigging scheme that person just gets to run a very successful, very well endowed uh, development company called Columbia Development and buy up all up and down the Hudson. Yeah, you know, they 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 own all sorts. What of can stuff. what like what? How do we get rid of these fucking pilot programs and these like enormous tax breaks for businesses that do not need them? Like well, I could understand if somebody wanted to open a cafe downtown and like applied to get a few t- th- this place could be anywhere there's no need for them to be downtown yeah if, and if, if this is being negotiated at the county level i guess it would be like the county legislature like right but you know like it, it, i mean at, at some level it's you know the people that are elected have to say no to these things in whatever capacity they are able to exercise control over them or they can like just choose to not like I know the city council also provides pilot agreements and right. and and there's just like lots of ways that elected officials can make it harder to do these sorts of things or provide incentives for other people to purchase property or to remove property from the land market altogether right which is ultimately what you want is, is uh to remove as much land as possible from the from market forces because yeah, I wonder the, the the best mechanism to do that. Yeah, I mean, like you know, like there's there's ways that like you can like land there's like land banks, there's co-ops, there's all these different things where you essentially separate out ownership of the land from the buildings that are built on top of it, and the buildings on top of it are usually owned in common by some sort of organization that has like a 99 year lease on it or something like that. Hmm. So you like and, buy into this organization. To, yeah. And you just like buy shares into the organization basically. And you don't really get, there's not a whole bunch of equity, right? Like you're not, once you sell your shares, you're not like making a profit, mm-hmm. but you are, um, but your rents aren't going to go up or, you know, and you're, you're, um, and you're paying into a fund that actually takes care of the property. It's not just enriching some, some asshole. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So there's lots of ways to do stuff like that. In the 70s and 80s, a lot of condos uh, in New York City flipped into co-ops. But a lot of those were uh, stayed in in the land market so that everyone there, these sort of yuppies 
that bought and fixed up brownstones uh, all shared in equity that went up and and actually did quite well for themselves. Hmm. So, so, but what about the fact that like the city desperately needs revenue? Right. Because I mean, no, that's true. Like, this, you know, like, Troy needs money badly. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, well, and their argument is that if you don't give these pilot agreements, then these big slush funds of money, these development companies, just won't just will write you off. They'll leave. And you won't have, you'll have capital flight. You'll have a capital They're only going to hire, weren't they saying they were going to create like 14 full-time jobs yeah. in downtown Troy? Yeah, something like that. 14 full-time jobs? Right. And well, and that's what sucks about, or it's, it's a real challenge for a city like Troy where they have a big, where they have like a downtown where people work but don't necessarily live. Because then you have a bunch of people that are using city resources, your roads, your water, your sewer, parking, parking right? And, but they don't pay any property taxes there. They go live out in Loudonville or Latham Brunswick, or Brunswick. Or, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like a lot of our professors at RPI, right? Yeah. They go live in a cheap house out in the boot. With lower in the pro- with no property taxes. Yeah, with very low property taxes because those places don't have big commercial centers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So... Uh, and those and, and all of those commercial buildings pay property taxes, but maybe not as many, or they get these pilot agreements, or you know, like all these other things happens. And especially if you have a city that is um, has a lot of old infrastructure and a lot of old buildings, it's expected. That's expensive. a lot of upkeep. And in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, when we were suburbanizing, all of those places got neglected, and and now you're paying for it now, and you did a lot of deficit spending, which is fine. If the federal government doesn't decide to fuck you over. When we were buying a house, I can't count how many people told us that we were idiots for buying in Troy. Right. They were like, why don't you just buy a house in Brunswick? Just buy a house right over the city line. And then you'll pay instead of, you know, 9,000 in property taxes a year, you'll pay three or 4,000 for Mm. the same. And that, but that mentality is so. That's uh, a mentality that kills cities. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Well, and also, like, there's a lot of uh, trends, you know, with, with with Troy, like we were talking about in previous episodes, the greatest landholder in Troy is Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute yeah. in terms of individual housing units that they own and research facilities and campuses and, you know, just like tons of retail activities. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just like a lot of stuff. Um, and that in general, they don't um, pay like taxes they pay like very they, little attention. i think so, they, so the, the 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 mayor's office will say they are also the largest employer and, and payer of and property payer, taxes well but but, yeah, it's but you still, own half of troy right you yeah better be. but it's yeah yeah you better be and it's still far below what they should if they paid full property taxes on everything they owed and so what they do instead is they put like one classroom in an administrative building and by doing that it gets called a educational building and they don't have to pay property taxes on it so they do shit like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's a uh, that that's the thing that's happening in Troy right now, and you can copy and paste those sorts of scandals, that sort of process, to probably probably lots of other places, lots of other towns and in, in small cities that don't get that because they don't have a local media. Yeah. Like they don't get followed very but often. Just for the record, this is all stuff that hasn't yet been like finally decided, right? Yeah. So the IDA hasn't decided on the application. So you could go yell at, a, at an elected official to try to. And keep what that elected from official should listeners yell at if they're considering? Any anyone in the county, the county executive, uh, sex pest Steve McLaughlin, and um, and, and their their representative, which they can they can find online. All right. 
So do we want to uh, lighten it up with some some wildflowers from the dark coldness? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that um, sounds lovely. New York State has officially, well, I think, I don't know if Cuomo has signed it yet, but the New York State legislature has outlawed cat decline. And Hell, now the Massachusetts yeah. State Legislature is considering uh, similar legislation. And I think this is really important because cat decline is illegal in much of Europe, um, much of Canada, several provinces in Canada. And then it's it's illegal in like San Francisco and there are a couple of other cities that have outlawed it. But otherwise, it is a like disturbingly widely practiced in the U.S. for domestic cats. And it's an incredibly, incredibly abusive, like basically cat decline. Like it would be if somebody cut off like all the knuckles of your finger, like at the second knuckle of your finger. Because they and then you have to always claws and bring them in and out, and they're attached to bones. Their through... claws are bones. Yeah. yeah, they're directly attached to bones, and and it's not even just like somebody cutting off half of your finger. It would be like if you had to walk around on your fingers. Ah, <laughs> you know, it would be yeah. like if somebody, um, you know, it, it, there's really like no kind of even human parallel because of how necessary those those bones and those claws are to a cat's well being. And it can cause them lifelong pain. And it's also like a very kind of instinctual, they have an instinctual need to claw things and to like need and to, you know, it's, it's a really like, it's uh, just socially and like for their general well-being, even aside from the pain it causes them. So um, it's really cool that it is now illegal in New York State. I hope it's illegal everywhere. Like soon, I at least hope that, you know, I do think there are fewer and fewer veterinary practices that are willing to perform those services. Now, a lot of times, if you want to adopt a cat through any kind of cat rescue, they ask you specifically, do you plan to declaw? They won't adopt out to people who say they would declaw oh, their, their pets or if they or a lot of times they'll say, here are all of the reasons. Here's why your application has been denied. And it's because of your feelings on declawing. And here are the facts about declawing. So it's it, the entire veterinary, you know, community is coming out and saying this is animal manipulation or are vets themselves the ones that are doing the declawing as well? Some vets, I mean, you could you can always find, you know, um, j- just the same with like dog debarking. Yes, there are vets out there who will do it for you. Dog debarking? Dog debarking is really fucked up. Yeah. Um, so that's like surgical laryngitis? You like damage their vocal cords so they can't bark anymore. Um, Jeez. Yeah. So, you know, there, as with anything, like, yeah, you can find a vet who will do it, but, but like most vets, I think that's, you know, more and more becoming vets, like not only won't do it, but they're becoming like public advocates for, for trying to explain to people why. And a lot of people get it done. They have no idea. Like they don't realize that they just hear, oh, okay. Yeah. I'd like if my cat didn't scratch anymore. And they have no idea the kind of like lifelong pain that they're inflicting on this animal, which is why we need it to be a law, right? Because otherwise, uh, well-intended people... Yeah, it's certainly the main regulatory method we have. I would really like, you know, as an aquarist, I would also like to see similar legislation protecting like fish and aquatic animals Mm -hmm. because people really mistreat um, aquatic pets a lot. I mean, aquatic pets is such an interesting, you know, thing because it's such an unstable system. It's like, you know, you're putting this animal in such a foreign environment that, you know, if the power were to go out or a filter were to get clogged, or, you know, the plumbing were to break and, you know, leak out on the floor. Like, keeping, you know, fish alive is, um, you know, trying to 
like a, a pretty active process. You really yeah. need to like process the water. You need to make sure that it's oxygenated, that it's the proper temperature, that there's like enough food, but not too much such that it builds up like um, the ammonia levels by breaking down. Yeah. I mean, pr- like proper appropriate aquarium keeping, depending on the size of and the complexity of your setup, it, it really for like most people doesn't need to take more than half an hour, 45 yeah. minutes a week total. Um, but you have to kind of know what you have and mm-hmm. what you, what is appropriate to have in your conditions. Mm-hmm. So like a lot, and the goldfish is kind of the go-to example of really like irresponsible kind of fish vending because goldfish like like getting a fish at the state fair in a plastic bag right and then you take it home and you put it in a tiny bowl and but goldfish like get huge and they're actually quite intelligent like they need stimulus that's Mm. why everybody thinks that carnival goldfish only live you know a few months well that's not like that fish would live for 20 years if if it had the proper conditions if you you had it in a pond or or in a you know 60 gallon aquarium which is really what they need um even bigger really so obviously you know, sitting around talking about the poor goldfish, you kind of feel a little silly because like the world is on fire everywhere yeah. you look. <laughs> and I'm over here like people really shouldn't put goldfish in bowls. But, oh, you know, yeah. it's maybe that's just a, a battle for another day when we uh, have built a society that isn't we're not all ruthlessly like murdering each other and kicking each other out of our homes and beating each other in the streets. Then we'll get to the goldfish. Well, Murray Bookchin says that, you know, all ecological disasters are at their root social problems. So, you know, when you when you create a better social, better when you create a better society, you know, ecology and uh, animal species tend to fare better. Yeah. Yeah. Animal prisoners. Animal prisoners. Yeah, but to... yeah, no more cat declawing was really. Yeah. All cats are beautiful and all cats as American citizens deserve. The... <laughs> <laughs> all cats are beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, like uh, this is like the end of the prices, right? Or like get your get your pet spayed and neutered, but it's like don't get your cats, cats declawed. declawed and yeah. your dogs yeah. deparked. And if you have problems with your cat clawing your furniture, you should get some stuff that your cat would rather scratch. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff that cats like to scratch out there. And also, just suck it up. It's just a couch. <laughs> and, you know, like You but, wanted the cat. We but, have, but but often they're they're scratching furniture because they don't have something else. They don't have yeah. something better to scratch, and it's also important. A lot of people don't know that like they scratch to also release pheromones the same way they rub on things. Mm-hmm. So when they do that, it means they want to own it and they want it to smell like them. So mm-hmm. having just stuff like everywhere in every room of your house that it is okay for the cat to want it to smell like them is really important too. Yeah, because then they feel at home. Yeah, like, this whole place stinks just like I do. Exactly. This is yeah. Awesome. Just if you have a home that you fill with enriching things for your cats and you just stop being so fucking stuck up about your couch, you don't have to cut off its knuckles. It's really. So I'm really glad that New York outlawed that. Societal progress gently bends in an arc headed toward justice. What is it? The arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. Yeah. That's yeah. MLK. Exactly. I watched a lot of Marianne Williamson videos in preparation for today. Yeah. And she's got this one really long one on Martin Luther King and a letter from a Birmingham Birmingham jail. Just check it out. I it's... will. <laughs> Are you coming around on her? Are you feeling less and less threatened by the possibility of a uh, Williamson presidency? That woman cannot be president. <laughs> no, that woman cannot be president. <laughs> Doesn't on, mean I don't love only. her. No, she cannot be president. All right. So we're on Twitter. Yep. Ironweeds pod. You can buy us a coffee, throw us a hammy. 
at buymeacoffee.com slash ironweeds. Yeah, thank you for your support. On um, Instagram, too. Yeah, shout out to George Soros. Uh, thanks a lot thank for you, the, uh, the 15 bucks. I love you. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Soros Daddy. Yeah, uh, We're on Insta <laughs> at ironweedspod. Email us, ironweedspod at gmail. That, yeah, ironweedspod at gmail. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Hell Five yeah. stars or four stars and an explanation. About what we could do to improve. But please keep in mind that if you rate us below four stars, we will probably lose our job because that's how the ratings economy works. Yep. So, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Love Have a good you. week, everyone. Peace. Bye.